Do you have a problem with anger? Join us for Abounding Grace and learn how to deal with it as God would have you. This is amazing grace. It's one of the most frequently committed sins in the body of Christ. But what's left behind are hurt feelings and damaged relationships. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll see how to deal with anger so we can break free from our past. Pastor Ed Taylor will use Moses as an example that we can learn from. Yes, even Moses had an anger problem. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 20 as we get today's study underway. Sinful anger is destructive to your children. Some of you here today are self-deceived into thinking that your anger is raising righteous and godly kids that love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. It's not. It's actually doing the exact opposite. You're out of control anger at home. But you don't understand, Ed. This is how I was raised. This is how my great-grandfather was. This is how my grandpa was. This is how my dad was. And now I'm like this. And you know, my, my dad, my grandpa, they made it out okay. Listen, if you had a careful examination of your dad, your grandpa, great-grandpa, what you would find is they didn't make it out okay as much as you think. That their parents' anger deeply wounded them and hurt them, which is why they became angry, which it gets handed down from each person, mom or dad. I, I understand of which I speak. I grew up in a very angry home. Very lovely, wonderful parents, but an extremely angry home. And that's how one of my parents chose to parent me. Albeit I was a challenging kid. I was a difficult kid. But challenging and difficult kids do not deserve to be treated by angry parents. Now, you have to understand, my parents are in heaven right now, and we settled everything a long time ago. So all is well with them. They did the best that they could with what they had. God was gracious and merciful to us, and all is well. And they're in heaven right now rejoicing, and, and I am okay 100% for, where forgiveness has flowed. Everything is great. So I don't want you to misunderstand this, where you, you miss out that God's speaking to you. And I just want you to know that it's not an unusual thing to have this anger streak in you because of how you grew up and how you were treated. I don't want you to be self-deceived anymore either. I'm going to give you four things that happens when you run your house by anger. I want you to know four things that happen to your kids. I don't want you to be self-deceived any longer because you were wounded and angry. Now you're acting that way in your own home. And here's what happens with kids. Here's what happens with kids when they live in an angry home. Number one, when you're angry and out of control with your kids, number one, you are going to get compliance. They are going to do what you tell them to do. Here's the problem. When they comply and they have immediate compliance because of your anger, you misinterpret compliance as godly obedience. And that's not what it is. It's not godly obedience. Your kid isn't necessarily, now this isn't all the time, but your kid's not necessarily complying by the Lord. They're scared and they want you to stop. 
They're smart enough to pick that up. Our kids are hyper-intelligent, like they know what's going on. They, they are scared and they will do whatever it takes for you to stop and calm down. Number two, when you're angry with your kids, the second thing that happens to them is they begin to harden their hearts. They're actually hardening their hearts towards you, towards you, because that's what happens. Very difficult to follow an angry person because it breaks the line of trust and it's hard to trust someone that you're scared of. And you say, well, wait a minute, my kids have never told me that. Let me tell you why they never tell you that. They're afraid of you. And some of the kids are so small, they don't know how to formulate this. They're just developing their thinking. They don't know how to formulate something's massively wrong in my house. And I need to talk to my parents about it. They, that they're just kids. The third thing that happens with kids in an angry home is they become fearful. And we've touched on it, but I want it to have its own because I want you to remember, I'm six feet one. So that if your kiddo comes up and hugs me and they're two, two and a half feet, I'm a monster to them. I'm huge. We don't look like that. Very few people, like we don't live like that anymore, but your kiddos are small and I'm tall. You're bigger than your kids. And you're probably, you know, in, in more stronger than your kids and, and more capable. And so when you're off flying off the handle, they look up, they're scared. They're scared. And they shut down, harden their heart toward you. And you think they're obeying. You got obedient, godly kids, but they're just scared. And then the fourth thing that happens with your kids is something I call avoidance. Because I think everyone here today that are parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, we all want the same thing with our kids. We want them to, to love God, serve Him with all their heart, soul, and mind, and we want to enjoy our kids all the way to eternity. We want them to be a part of our lives. We want to be a part of their lives. We want them to call us, text us, be a part of their lives. But when at a young age they grow up in an angry home, they learn to avoid you. They learn to avoid you. The least amount of time that I need to face your anger, the better. So I choose to avoid you. And if that never gets corrected over time, they avoid as adults. They just don't want to deal with it. And think of this, church. Mix in drugs, mix in alcohol, mix in drunkenness, and it's a disaster. In Christian homes, yes. In those that say they follow God. In those that, and, and you're at this point where like, I didn't even know this, and God wants to reveal it to you. Your kids are precious in the sight of the Lord, and I know you love them. I know you care for them. And it's never too late to get back on track. Never too late to get back on track to express love to your kids. Never. Now, before I was saved, anger was a predominant thing in my life. Partly because that's the kind of home I grew up in, but partly because I chose to. It was my responsibility. And so as I was older and I entered into a permanent relationship, a serious relationship with Marie, that's how I treated her. And then when we had our son, that's how I treated Eddie. Eddie got most of the bear, had the bear of our children, most of the issue of God working this out in my life. Because then I got saved. And I was born again. And God delivered me from that root of anger and that wrath of man. Because I, I started raising my son just like that. Like it's just like, hey, you just yell at him. They do what you're supposed to. And that's just, that's it. That's how, I, that's how my home was. Then I got saved. And God began that sanctifying work in me and, and ripped away that thinking and gave, replaced it with the right kind of thinking to love my kids, to serve them, to encourage them, to disciple them, to train them. 
Now, no parent is perfect, so don't, don't think of that for me. Don't think of that for you. God meets us where we are in his grace. But I'm going to give you a tool today that will stop the madness. It will stop. It will do something to you, and it will do something to your kids. God gave it to me. Of all the tools he gave me as a parent, all the books I read, all the things, everything he taught me about being a parent, this has been by far, I don't have to do it anymore, but I'm going to show it to you. Um, this has been by far one of the most effective things because I never saw it in my house. I never heard it in my house. Never. And this is what? Let me show you. Everybody watch me. Come on, it's because it's visual. So watch up here. Get your attention. This is what I want you to learn how to do. I want you to learn how to get down on your knees, look your kids in the eye, and say, will you forgive me? I was wrong, and I sinned against you in my anger. And then in, and ask your kid, will you pray for me? I'm telling you, it is one of the most powerful, God-honoring things that you can do in life. And it's never too late. I think of the little kiddos that can't express themselves, but those little kiddos grow up. And you can still do this. Don't get down on your knees. Stay standing up. But, you know, you'll go, will you forget me? You know, maybe you do. Who knows? Maybe you put yourself in the position they were all those years. And it just opens the floodgates, which leads us to our study on forgiveness, right? That opens the door for God to do a reconciling work. But it, you are free. And I know that as I talk to my parents, and we talk through this as adults, I know that they, they shared with me, Ed, this is how I was raised. This was the home I grew up in. And I know the story of my family. And, and they said, this is the tools that we had. This was the best. That we, and, I, and I believed them. Like I said, it all worked out. But it worked out through communication and humility. It worked out through forgiveness. And church, you know, there's a lot of studies being done today about how the kids after high school, we're losing them. We're losing them. They're, they don't walk with God anymore. I'm going to suggest to you they stopped walking with God in the third grade. Those that lived in an angry home. And now they just live in a fake home where they come to Sunday school, learn something, and then boom, they're back into the, like, it's just, it's just devastating. It's devastating. I know there's a lot of reasons why kids aren't following the Lord later on, but some of those reasons for church kids is they didn't live in a family that, they didn't live in a home that honored God, and primarily because anger was the predominant emotion. Now they view God like angry. I don't want anything to do with dad. I don't want anything to do with God or mom for that sake. And so God wants to release you. It even happened to Moses. Let me show you as we close a couple things I want to show you. It happened to Moses, and the last time it happened with Moses was it. So turn with me over to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. As the final episode in the life of Moses' anger, like he got all these other episodes, and God was gracious, God was gracious, but the last one, he went too far. And let me just say, the last one in your life will be you going too far. I promise you. Now, most of the time we speak with people that come in, it was become a, the last time of their anger. It's the last time of your anger that lands you in the back of a police car. It's the last time of your anger that lands you in a bar, getting drunk, driving home drunk, and hurting someone. It's the last part of your anger where your wife finally walks out on you and files the papers. It's the last time of your anger where your kids finally rebel. I mean, you go, you, it's the last one, but it doesn't have to be. You see, the last one of your anger could be met with repentance. And you don't have to go that far. I'm not speaking now of the episodes that we get frustrated. Everybody has them. Kids have them. I have them. We all have them. I'm not speaking to that. I'm speaking to the in ongoing, constant outbursts of wrath and sinful anger that surrounds your life. And the last one you'll regret. 
So why not just make the last one the one you repent and you learn how to live a life of repentance? Because if you notice in Numbers chapter 20, and I'm going to show you something I bet you've never noticed before. I'm going to show you something that is powerful and eye-opening. Pick up in verse 7. Verse 7. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes. So let's pause here, church, and go on a little lesson. God told Moses to do what? Speak to the rock. Say it out loud. Speak to the rock. How do we speak? With our mouths. Very simple. You get it? If you were Moses, would you understand what to do? Yes? Speak to the rock. Pretty easy. Can you imagine you're in your kitchen table in the morning doing your devos, and God says, go outside to your backyard and speak to the rock. Do you know what he's telling you to do? Go outside to your backyard and speak to the rock. I know it's elementary, but sometimes we have to get super simple because we take what God's word says and we twist it. And that's where we get in trouble. This is very simple. Go speak to the rock and then what will happen? It will yield its water and you'll bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So we learn something about God here. He wants to quench the thirst of the children of Israel. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bless them. He wants to take care of them. He wants to use Moses in the middle so that they get the water that they need for them and their animals. That God loves them. Now this has been years and years and years of rebellion, years and years of difficulty. And what's God's perspective? I love them. Give them the water. And Moses, I want you, this is how you're going to do it. It's going to be a great miracle. Go to the rock, talk to it, and everybody's going to be happy. All right, Moses, what did you do? So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said to, what does your Bible say? Them. Whoa, wait a minute. What did God say? Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. What does Moses do? He speaks to them. You tell me you haven't made that mistake before. Where God made something so clear and on the way, you changed it. Why did he change it? Because he's angry. The truth of God gets distorted when we live in the flesh. He's an angry man, and instead of speaking to the rock, he speaks to them, and he says, verse 10, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water out of the rock for you? Okay, let's ask that question. We're Bible students. If Moses came as a guest today and said, what do you guys think? Should I provide water for the people? The answer is yes. Why? Because God said, go talk to the rock because I'm going to bless them. Boy, he doesn't end there because it gets worse. He takes his rod, verse 11, and he strikes the rock twice. And water came out abundantly. The congregation of the animals drank. So understand, walk with me here. He did the wrong thing more than one time, expressed anger. He then hit the rock and water came out. Do you know the conclusion he came to, maybe that you would come to too, is that you did it the right way because water came out. Oh, I know he told me to speak to the rock, but I did it my way. Water came out. So it's okay. Everything's fine. I got what I wanted. People got what they wanted. But that's not how God views our disobedience. Our disobedience is just that in the eyes of God. It's sinful. It's not. You, you, got, you know, with God tells you to speak to the rock, speak to it. And, and don't strike it at all. But, but notice what Moses didn't know. And a lot of times God will tell you to do something and you don't know. Like God's working in your life right now and you don't know. 
why this situation's in your life. You don't know why he gave you that instruction. You don't know. But when we don't know, it's no excuse for us to be disobedient. So he didn't know that the rock was actually a picture and a type of Jesus Christ. We learned that in Corinthians. And that the rock giving forth water was the picture that God wanted to show us in every other generation that when Jesus would stand on the steps there going into the temple on the teaching steps and he would say, anybody thirsty? Let him come to me. And out of his, out of his innermost being will flow what? Rivers of living water. And that when Jesus was struck, he was struck how many times? One time, not twice. So you can get clear direction from God and totally mess it up, and God does what he wants to do. And don't think because you disobeyed that God pleases, is pleased by your disobedience. Because that's a very pragmatic approach. Well, it worked. No, it actually didn't work. And you say, Ed, well, prove it to me. I will. Notice verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me. So pause there for a second. Where in the world in this text does it say that Moses didn't believe him? It doesn't, does it? So God is looking at Moses' life and saying, your anger made you an unbeliever. Anger is unbelief, a form and a fashion of unbelief. Because you didn't believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall bring this congregation into the land which I'm giving them, but you're not going in, he'll say later. You, you, you shall not, I should say, bring this congregation into the land I'm giving them. Now, many times we've taught this, I've been taught this, that Moses didn't go in because he didn't honor the Lord, he didn't represent the Lord. That's true, but now you understand why he, how he didn't represent God properly. His anger, his disobedience his twisting of the word of God, his inability to completely obey, and his misrepresentation of, the, of everything that God had. God loved those people, even in their rebellion, just like he loves you, and he didn't enter in. How do I deal with my anger? Well, that's been the question of the day, and God adequately answers that for us in his word. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. You'll be right back with more. This is the final installment in our series, Free From Our Past. And if you missed any part of the series, just go to AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. Pastor Ed, this is our last opportunity to make mention of your new book, Free From Your Past. We talked about how to deal with our anger today. Did you address that in some measure in the book? It's a whole chapter in the book, Larry, this topic of anger, because it is something that roots us in the past. It's a bondage. It's a foothold. If you're living with this sense of, well, you know, I'm always angry, and I've always been angry, and I was born into an angry family, and all of the different reasons which actually just become excuses, then you're tethered to your past. You're tethered to sin. And if not sin, you're always on the edge. Like, like, yeah, I know, you know, folks that listening, you could say, but Ed, there's a, the Bible says to be angry and not sin. Exactly. Exactly. But I'm not looking for reasons to be angry. I'm looking for reasons to be humble and broken and dependent and surrendered. I want to really examine my own life, even for where, what I've come from and what God's delivered me from. I want to look for ways to reflect the character of Jesus. And it is true that Jesus demonstrated righteous anger. But remember, in what's been given to us 
in the scriptures related to the life of Jesus, there's only a couple of episodes, not, not the entirety of his life. It wasn't in every city. It wasn't in every place. It was a few episodes where he demonstrated a righteous anger, which, of course, he could completely and purely and absolutely do that. You and I, not so much. And I want to remind the person that has an issue with anger, you want to get off the ledge. You don't want to be as close as you can and always just live in a frustrated, angry way. But God wants to set you free that you might see more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, agape love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, which is really key, isn't it? Self-control so that the Lord might use this emotion in our lives to draw us into a deeper, surrendered life with Him, that we would experience more of the fruit of the Spirit than this issue of anger, even if it's without sin. Uh, We want to see the attributes of the Holy Spirit work down in our lives far more. And we go into depth of what this uh, Bible study is. We go into a deeper depth uh, in the book. But remember, um, the Lord is going to use what you hear. The Lord's going to use what you read. The Lord is going to use the principles that are in the scriptures, the examples to avoid. And I know if you're ready, God's ready. If you're ready, God's ready. He's always ready to help you, strengthen you, deliver you, and hear your prayers of repentance. Get a copy of Free From Your Past when you log on to calvaryco.store. Maybe order an extra one to give away. That's calvaryco.store. Now here's Pastor Ed with the rest of today's message. A couple things and then we'll head out. If you're still unconvinced about this sin of anger, and you're considering like, well, maybe I, I'm still, still going to be angry at I, I just think I'm okay and it's all right. Let me give you five things that you should ask yourself when you're starting to justify your anger. And if all five of these things are, are applicable at the same time, you have to have all five of them, then God says, go ahead and be angry. Number one, if, you ang- if you're angry and you don't sin. Number two, if you're angry and you don't go to sleep with it, right? Don't let the um, sun go down on your wrath, the Bible says. Number three, if your anger is from God and not from your own selfishness and desire to control. Number four, if your anger achieves the righteousness of God. And then number five, if your anger comes slowly. If you have all five of those things, then you can proceed carefully and safely with anger. But you know that rarely do these things occur in our lives. It's a control mechanism, and we're just annoyed. A lot of our anger comes from annoyances. And you see, anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness are all cousins. I had a brother come up after service last night. He was just in tears. A grown man in tears. Because as we're describing this scenario, I was describing his house. And he was upset with his kid because they didn't put the window down. Didn't put the window down. The air conditioning is going out the window. And that was the trigger for him to be flip off the handle. It's just not from the Lord for any of us. The Bible says, Colossians chapter 3, now is the time to get rid of anger. Proverbs 29 says, an angry person starts fights. And so here's the key, because Jesus said this in John, or excuse me, Luke chapter 6. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. And listen, 
a good person from, produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Luke 6, 43. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Or we learn it from the New King James. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this is what Jesus teaches us. Anger is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. That, that's it. The problem of your anger is a heart issue. And because we don't know our own hearts, the Bible says in Psalm 139, it says, Search me, O God. Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of righteousness. Reveal any hidden sin in me, God, that which offends you and hurts others. And then once he reveals it, the answer is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. Not just feel bad about anger, but confess it and repent of it as the sin that it is. We'll turn back to 1 Kings tomorrow on Abounding Grace and pick up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. You'll hear that God's promises remain faithful. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.